0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 288. These days, so much of the attention in the cruise world is aimed at the latest and biggest cruise ships in the world. Big cruise ships certainly offer a lot, but the smaller ships are not without their own charm. In fact, I want to share some of the really cool things that only a smaller Royal Caribbean ship can offer. It's a countdown of the top five features only found on a smaller Royal Caribbean ship. Here we go. Royal Caribbean's fleet of ships offer a truly impressive array of options to consider. There's over 20-some-odd ships in the fleet, and they go to all different places all around the world, and they do come in various sizes. And, you know, I'm very guilty, as much as anybody, of talking and putting a lot of attention towards the bigger ships in the fleet. In fact, Royal Caribbean's fleet has been getting progressively bigger for a number of years. And when we say bigger, we mean the ship size is bigger, right? Bigger ships, bigger ships. Bigger offerings, new features on there. Look, it's gonna garner attention. It's gonna get a lot of people interested in cruising, and there's a reason why it gets so much attention. But inevitably, at some point, people start looking at the other ships in the fleet. Now, if you're new to cruising, you may be like myself. When I first started cruising, I was like, oh man, I want to go on the big ships. I remember, you know, we started cruising with the Royal Caribbean because of Oasis of the Seas, right? And then we traded out the Freedom Class and some other Oasis class ships, you know, and then later on we're like hmm, maybe we should try some of those smaller ships as well. And I think inevitably, as you cruise, you start to say, hmm, maybe there is something more to those other ships in the fleet. And we talk about the smaller ships. Obviously, it's a relative term. But we're talking about Royal Caribbean's Radiance-class ships, its Vision-class ships, and Majesty of the Seas, and Empress of the Seas. These are the subcategory of Royal Caribbean ships that are definitely smaller, relatively speaking, to the other ships in the fleet. And they're almost kind of a dinosaur. I hate to say it like that. I hate to call them a dying breed. But the way that Royal Caribbean International is going, it's definitely towards bigger ships. And certainly we have no reason to believe it anytime soon. They're going to build anything smaller than a 4,000 passenger ship. You know, the it, this is a larger discussion that we can get into some other time of you know kind of the strategy and some of the other things there. Uh, certainly, in my opinion, I feel like they're differentiating Royal Caribbean from uh, Celebrity Cruises, their sister brand, even Azamara Cruisers and, and Silver Seas, in the way that I feel like Royal Caribbean said, you know what, if you want to go on a really small ship or a ship less than about three thousand passengers, and you want a new ship for that matter, you're going on Celebrity or Azamara or Silver Sea. Uh, By the same token, if you want to go on the bigger ships, you're going to be going on Royal Caribbean. It's kind of like, to me, the auto industry where, you know, you'll have like, you know, Ram trucks, right? From Dodge, the Chrysler Corporation, right? Ram and Dodge built the pickup trucks. And then you have Chrysler brand who makes the sedans. And, you know, you kind of have that more of a diversification but more specialization as well when it comes to that. And I think cruise lines are kind of moving that direction. Certainly Royal Caribbean is. But that's a discussion for a different day because today I want to talk about the top five things you can only do On a smaller Royal Caribbean ship. And these are things that definitely stand out to me as important. Things. Now, I did not include in this list, but we have to give an honorable mention to the fact that, well, smaller ships can get into certain ports that bigger ships cannot. That's a straight-out fact, and when you look at the the what smaller ships offer, you know, this are, it's a reason why, first and foremost, I think they remain in Royal Caribbean's fleet to this day. There are certain ports in the world in which you're not ever going to get an Oasis class ship, a Freedom class ship, a Quantum class ship in there. It's just physically impossible for a variety of reasons. Either the port won't expand their facilities, perhaps the harbor itself is too small, whatever who knows but the point is is that for the foreseeable future that's still going to be the case it's not going to change and that's probably a number one reason why you still see some of these uh ships available out there that go to these different ports because it allows Royal Caribbean to offer a much greater itinerary variation in in the choice the differences and things you can go to so that's definitely number one, but uh, I wanted to make sure that was very clear, because that definitely is something you can only do on a smaller Royal Caribbean ship, but let's start off with our list. I don't have this in any particular order, but we're going to just jump into one that kind of lends itself right towards the honorable mention I just said, which is only on Royal Caribbean smaller ships can you go to Cuba. That's right. Only two Royal Caribbean ships offer cruises to Cuba. That would be Empress of the Seas and Majesty of the Seas. They're uh, not only Royal Caribbean's two smallest ships, they're also their oldest ships, and you know, age and size—something that doesn't necessarily make or break a cruise experience. I'm the first to admit that. I think that they offer different experiences in the same way. Let's go back to my car analogy here. That if you drive a pickup truck or you drive a sedan, they're both automobiles. They're both going to from point A to point B, but they offer somewhat of a different experience. Certainly, the you know the in-vehicle experience is different in a, in a pickup truck than it is in a in a you know sedan or an SUV for that matter. And you know that's kind of what. Cruising on a small ship is. But going to Cuba, Cuba is a is a obviously a, a port, or a couple ports in Cuba, I should say, that have opened up fairly recently to Royal Caribbean and to other major market American cruise lines. And by its nature, Cuba's ports cannot handle large ships. So for the foreseeable future, and certainly for the near future, there's no opportunity for those bigger ships to get in there. Perhaps, you know, five, ten years down the line, we'll see that change, but if you're looking to go to, to Cuba on a on a rail cruising cruise anytime in the next easily five years, you're going on a smaller ship. There's no question in my mind about it. I think when you can get a Radiance class ship in, that'd be a pretty big accomplishment. No pun intended. But for the foreseeable future, that's the way to go there. And Cuba is an amazing experience. We've talked about Cuba on this podcast a couple different times, and I tell people all the time you have to get out there. And I certainly took my sweet time getting over there myself. But I'm telling you, learn from my mistake. Get out to Cuba. It is amazing. It is not like every other Caribbean port. You may say to yourself, I've been to San Juan, Puerto Rico. I've been to other Caribbean ports. How much different could it be? I'm telling you, it is a completely different ballgame over there. So going to Cuba, if you want to get there, you're going on smaller Royal Caribbean ships. Number two, uh, you actually see, there's actually a dedicated movie theater on Royal Caribbean's Radiance class. Yeah, did you know that? Because on all Royal Caribbean ships, they'll show movies. You'll see movies oftentimes shown... In public venues, maybe by the pool, perhaps in the Royal Theatre, but on the Radiance-class ships, they actually have a dedicated movie theatre. It's got stadium seating, it's got a decent-sized screen, it's not like your megaplex you see at home, don't get me wrong, but... The movie theater on the radiant class is the closest thing you're going to get to that that real movie experience. When you see it in the you know by the pool or perhaps in the royal theater, it's not quite the same thing as seeing it in a theater, right? The acoustics of it, the visuals of it. Obviously, outside by the pool, you've got some sun glare. In the in the royal theater, you have some weird angles there as well. And I, again, it's not like you know. The, the greatest movie experience. But when it comes to, if you're looking for that classic cinematic experience, the movie theater available on only Radiance Class Ships offers that dedicated venue to be able to see these movies. And it is a cool thing. I mean, it's great for, first of all, for Sea Days, uh, you know, and, and Rainy Days. Great opportunity to go there. They show a lot of movies, actually. I was fairly impressed by the variety of films shown in the movie theater. And, I would tell you that uh, what I like about it the most is not even the, the variety, but it's that, it's that, I don't know, something about maybe the stadium seating or the fact that it just feels like, you know, we you go to a movie theater at home, you, they all have, no matter which one you're talking about, it is that classic, dark, kind of enclosed area. There's not a whole lot of, you know, distractions on your left or the right. So for focusing on a movie, if you really want to follow the plot along, certainly for a film you've never seen before, I think seeing in a movie theater is, is a big deal. And again, you can only do that and have that true movie theater experience on a Radiance class ship. My next one, I try to think of a of a nice way of putting it, but I, I I'm calling this weird. Dining options are only available on smaller Royal Caribbean ships, and uh, forgive the title, but there's a lot of dining nuances that only exist on smaller Royal Caribbean ships. What do I mean by that? Well, let's start with some options here. On Empress of the Seas, there are two things that are only offered on Empress of the Seas. You've got a midnight winjamer offered on Empress of the Seas, and a Sunday brunch offered. ...on Empress of the Seas. Now, obviously, Empress is a very small ship. She's the smallest ship in the fleet, so she doesn't offer all the dining venues that other ships do. A lot of times I get a question, I'll probably get this question certainly once a month, but we do a lot of Facebook Live videos and YouTube Live videos, and someone will ask me, Matt, what happened to the Midnight Buffet, or, or does Royal Caribbean offer a Midnight Buffet? And my answer is always, no, they don't offer a Midnight Buffet anymore because it's not necessary. Midnight buffets were a a thing in the cruise industry back when there was, like, only one place to eat on the ship, which was, like, the main dining room. So, obviously, at a certain point in the evening, people would get hungry, and so the cruise lines would offer a midnight buffet. But these days, there's so many different choices, so many different venues to go to to eat throughout the day and night that they don't need to offer a midnight buffet. But on Empress of the Sea, since it's kind of a throwback to the old style of cruising, or older style, maybe not the oldest, but certainly not Titanic we're talking, but anyway, Empress of These does offer a midnight windjammer option to so be able to go there, because on most ships in Royal Caribbean's Fleet, the windjammer shuts down about 9, 9.30 or so, and after that, you have, you have to fall back on other choices, but you have that there, and also in Empress of they have a, something they call the Sunday Brunch, which is not necessarily offered on Sundays, but it's offered basically on their sea days, it's kind of like a... It's, you know, it's, it's a nicer, it's a brunch, essentially, but it's only offered on Empress. There's complimentary mimosas uh, there as well. It's kind of a neat little option there. Speaking of neat little places, uh, Majesty of the Seas offers something called a Compass Deli. It's the only ship in the fleet that offers a Compass Deli. So you've got the Windjammer, right, which is your buffet option. Behind there is something called the Compass Deli. And the Compass Deli is essentially, now looking at it through 2019 eyes, the Compass Deli is essentially like Park Cafe, Sorrento's, and Cafe Promenade married into one venue. It is a incredible variety of choices. It's open late night, which is when I think it really shines. Because, you know, like so many people, when we go on cruises, you're out having fun, you're out to see a show, you're having, you're enjoying some cocktails in the evening, and emphasis on plural on that. And inevitably, you're going to get the munchies, and Compass Deli is the best for this. I was I was astounded, quite frankly, by the sheer variety of options that uh, the Compass Deli did serve on Majesty of the Seas. And if you've never been there, you got to go check it out. Again, I think it's really best for late night. Their hours tend to, the Compostelli hours tend to be uh, opposite of the Windjammer. So the is open, they really don't run the Compostelli. It's kind of overkill because they're right next to each other. But uh, you'll often find the Deli open when the Windjammer is not. And great choices to be found there. Uh, it is a great nosher's uh, paradise, i got to say. That's a really good choice. Also, on the Radiance-class ships, in the Windjammer. speaking of that, they have outdoor dining. So you have your traditional windjammer experience, right? Your tables right by the buffet stations, cool. But on Radiance Class ships, you can actually go out to the back of the ship and uh, they have outdoor seating. And there is something so nice, so relaxing about having your meal outside. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but there is something really cool about that and the Radiance class does offer that type of experience, and to be fair, the Quantum class does as well, so I guess this last one doesn't really count in the sense, I tried to focus on options for this countdown that were truly limited, things you could only do on smaller roll crummy chips, this one's not so much, but since we're talking about weird dining options, I had to throw it in there, but if you go on a Radiance class ship, do yourself a favor, take your breakfast, or your lunch, or your side, whatever, whenever you're in the Windjammer, and go all the way to the back, there's outdoor seating over there, it is truly, truly a nice experience, and It's just different. you can watch the wake from out there. You get a breeze. You know, when you get really nice weather out there, it is perfect for that. And definitely when we we grab breakfast in the Windjammer, my first choice after we get all our food to my wife is, let's go outside. Let's just eat outside. There's uh, something about it. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's different. You can't do that on Freedom Quantum Oasis-class ships. All right, Quantum you can. Sorry, Freedom uh, Voyager Oasis-class ships. But, you know, something about it. All right, Number four, and this is an important one to a lot of cruisers who remember the old style of cruising, and that is views of the ocean everywhere, or at least a lot of views of the ocean. As cruise ships have gotten bigger and larger, Uh, And more impressive over the years, they've been more inward focusing rather than outward focusing. Because, of course, when cruise ships first started becoming a thing for people to go on for vacations, you know, it really was a a ship in the ocean. And it was like, well, you know, you're going to different places, but, you know, you're out there to see the ocean. It's part of the thing about being on a sailboat, right? When you're on a sailboat, you see the ocean everywhere. Well, cruise ships were a lot back, you know, a a couple decades ago were all about that as well, about, you know, offering you views of the ocean everywhere because I think it was a, a combination of being maybe a little more old school, but also I think that the design of cruise ships has changed since then. But anyway, these ships, the, you know, where they're talking about the Radiance class ships, the Empress of the Seas, Majesty of the Seas, you know, uh, Vision class, they offer incredible views all over the place. My favorite is the classic example I always give is on the Radiance class. There's an entire elevator bank in the centrum that you can just see nothing but outside. It, it, the elevator is made out of glass. You can see the outside area. It's beautiful. I mean, you'd really be hard-pressed to go on one of these smaller Royal Korean ships and not have a view of the ocean wherever you go. And that, to me, is a really nice thing. I'm, like, I'm not the biggest you know, focuser on the ocean. Like some people you know, don't like having staterooms, balconies that don't face the ocean. or people. That's a complaint we often get. Uh, usually from Billy from CruiseHabit dot com about you know if you're going on a Oasis class ship, sure it's great, but you can't see the ocean anywhere, and yeah, you know, it's it's really hard to find. I don't really care personally. My wife disagrees, and she likes the view of the oceans. But if you like having that view, or perhaps having uh, the option and constant option to be able to see the water, uh, if that's important to you, then certainly the smaller Royal Caribbean ships really are the best at offering those type of experiences. Um, it, it is something that really stands out, and I think if you people who have come from starting out on smaller ships and then going to bigger ships will certainly be the first to voice that opinion. And I think even people who come from bigger ships first and then try the smaller ships will come to say, you know what, I didn't really think it would be a big deal or I didn't know what to expect from it, but it really is nice having that choice there. So, views of the ocean. And the last thing, or at least on my list, there's plenty more reasons to go on a smaller rollercoaster ship, but my number one, or my number five, I guess we're up to five, right, uh, thing to do, on a smaller Royal Caribbean ship, they can only do on a smaller Royal Caribbean ship is pay a lot less for your cruise. Let's be honest: the smaller ships are also the older ships, and the way that Royal Caribbean's pricing works is generally speaking, the newer the ship, the higher the prices. So when a new cruise ship joins the fleet, like Symphony of the Seas or Spectrum of the Seas, which is about to join the fleet later this year, you're going you see premium pricing for that. I mean, look in in a microcosm: look at the price for Oasis of the Seas, the first Oasis class ship, and the oldest Oasis class ship versus Symphony or Harmony. You're going odds are. Statistically speaking, you're going to be paying more for Harmony and Symphony than you will for Oasis. And that, that pattern cascades down the fleet. So you'll pay more for Freedom class than you will for Voyager class than you will for Radiance class than you will for Vision class than you will for Majesty and, and Empress. And, and and that's okay, but the nice thing about going on these the smaller ships is you will oftentimes get a steal of a deal. To go on them, and I, people always ask me, you know, is it worth it, man? Is is it a, is it a mistake? And I tell them, no, no, it's not a mistake at all. The value proposition of these smaller ships is truly incredible. I mean, I remember we went on last year for spring break. We did Rhapsody of the Seas, a Vision class ship, and that was a seven night cruise. And we were looking at some options, but I mean, we saved uh, we saved I think thousands in plural of dollars going on that cruise versus I think Oasis of the Seas for the exact same week, same amount of time. You know, it's incredible how much value you get, not to mention some of the other benefits like that honorable mention I started off this episode with the going to different ports. Uh, it, it really distinguishes itself. So, yeah, you know, you're not going to have the flow rider or the or the or the, um, you know, zip line or, or necessarily a full blown Broadway show on board. But you're paying a significant amount less to be able to enjoy the smaller ships, I think that really does stand out. So the value—if you're looking for the best value, of these is—you want to pay, you know, the least amount of money, but get the most out of your cruise. Uh, I, I really do believe the smaller ships are, are wonderful at that, and you're going to be able to—you're not compromising on the experience. Of course, if you're saying, "Look, I need to have the rider well, then you're kind of stuck, and you got to go for the bigger ships. But the point is, is that these smaller ships really do offer uh, quite a bit to be able to see and do there, and the value again—if you look at the—if you if you're like anything like me and you're trying to plan your next cruise vacation, you probably start with a spreadsheet, right? You're or some sort of jotting down a piece of paper and you start pricing out. Okay. This sailing is this much. The sailing is that much. this sailing is that much. And it's oftentimes when you look at, you know, sailings on a Rhapsody, on a brilliance, on a grandeur of the seas, on a majesty of the seas, you look at the price of those. And then you look right down the sheet at an Oasis, at a Freedom, at a Navigator, you know, for the same amount of nights, you're like, Ooh, wait, that's, that's, that's a big difference right there. And, You know, then you start playing that game. of Okay, well, how important are these other things to me? But the bottom line is the value is incredible. So, like I said, you're going to pay a lot less for those uh, smaller Royal Caribbean ships. So, you know, there you go. Those are some good, five good reasons to give it a try. And like I said, if you're new to cruising, you're new to Royal Caribbean, and you've been mostly going on the bigger, newer ships, that's okay. And I think that there's nothing, there's, you shouldn't rush necessarily to go to the smaller ships just for the sake of it, but at some point I think you're going to start thinking about it because inevitably you'll see comments on, you know, like on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards or, you know, uh, on Facebook, and people saying, you know, some things or alluding to some of the benefits of the smaller class, smaller ships, you might say to yourself, hmm, maybe we should try that out. Well, here are five really good reasons why it makes sense to try a smaller Royal Caribbean ship. Alrighty, it's time to answer your Royal Caribbean emails. This is the part of every Royal Caribbean Blog podcast episode in which we take some time to go right to the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast email inbox and answer the emails you've sent me. And if you want to send me your own email, please feel free to by sending it to matt at Royal Caribbeanblog.com. Matt, M A T T, at Royal Blog.com. Our first email this week is from Kurt from Canada. Who writes on a recent podcast, a Canadian wrote and said that Canadians could just walk off the ship with no visa when visiting Cuba. I'm concerned this might not be the case, and I suggest Canadians cruising to Cuba do their own research. Canadians are a trusting bunch and might take a random email as a carved-in-stone certainty. Although it's much easier to travel to Cuba for Canadians, I have never traveled to Cuba. Therefore, the following is based on second-hand information. Number one, friends who fly into Cuban resorts indicate the standard procedure to fill out a visa application on the plane as you're flying to Cuba. They Said you do not have to pay for the visa directly. It's built into the cost of the flight. Number two, other friends are cruising to Cuba in February and matched through sea the seas. They called Royal Caribbean directly and were told they needed a visa. And number three, the Travel Canada website specifically indicates a visa is required. Love your podcast. Please up with great work regardless of the temperature here on Wednesdays. It's always gets a little bit warmer when I hear your weekly podcast. Kurt, thank you so much for the email and thank you for the pointing out those facts. And I'll go back to your number one point, which is that while, you know, it may be less, less stringent, uh to visit cuba as a canadian the fact is you still need a visa and as you pointed out the cost of the visa is built into the cost of the flight which essentially is what royal caribbean does one way or another so uh it sounds like it's it's a lot closer than and apart kurt i think the difference just simply is technically speaking as an american you have to justify your visit more than canadians who can just simply go and not have to justify it to anybody Uh, Next is an email from Chris who writes, Hello, Matt. Love your podcast. It's inspired my family to leave Disney Cruise Line after 10 cruises and switch our Hawaii cruise to Ovation of the season in September. Will tenders be available 24 hours a day while we are overnight in Maui or is there a set time that we have to get back on the ship? Thanks for all you do. Chris, uh, thank you so much for the email, dude. And I will tell you, first of all, I'm I'm, I'm honored, quite frankly, that you're, you're willing to give Royal Caribbean a try here. In terms of the tendering and 24 hours, when your cruise ship is in any port, for an extended period of time the t- there is no curfew there is no you need to be back on they'll certainly let you know if there is and they may indicate if there is a difference there with the tenders uh, you know obviously Hawaii sailings are an outlier Chris uh, in the sense that they don't they don't happen very often so it's not like we have a huge amount of sample data certainly I haven't cruised that sailing but my understanding Chris and I'm going to repeat it here is that when your ship is in port and between when you're cleared by local authorities and you're all aboard time, there will always be opportunities to embark and disembark the ship as you see fit freely. Certainly when you're in Bermuda, which is a docked port, you're able to walk on and walk off the ship as much as you want during that time. So I have no reason to believe you can't uh, tender all the time. Maybe they'll have less tenders at 3 a.m. than they do at 3 p.m. That may be the case. Uh, but if, certainly if anyone has any experience with this, and I'm wrong, is, um, sometimes I am wrong, uh, feel free to send me an email. I'll rush it to the top of the list here if anything is different. So, Kurt, hopefully that answers your question there. Our next email... Is from uh, Jason Peterson. Who says I've been enjoying Royal Caribbean Blog.com and have more recently been enjoying the live broadcasts of social media and have been binging on the podcast episodes. You provide lots of great information for a seasoned Royal Green Cruiser. The info and forum you help you provide helps me enjoy the time to my cruises and look forward to the next one. My wife thinks I'm obsessed with cruising, but what's wrong with that? And maybe I have some FOMO regarding anything new and exciting with Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm enjoying everything so much that I recently became a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider member. Shameless plug, you're welcome. My wife and I went on our first cruise on Explorer of the Season 2002 when it was fairly new. We were hooked on cruising and Royal Caribbean. We've been on a total of 15 cruises, three on Freedom, our favorite ship, and... All with Royal Caribbean, except for one celebrity cruise, we are now Diamond members. Our kids are age 6 and 9 and love cruising as much as we do and frequently ask us, when is our next cruise? We're looking forward to our next cruise on Harmony of the Seas October. We're really excited to try our, set out some of the features that weren't available on our Oasis of the Seas cruise. We have several friends and or family members joining us. I'm open to any tips for our next cruise. I do have some packing tips for your listeners. We found it useful to pack a shoe rack that you can hang on the outside of your bathroom door so it will be accessible and not clutter the closet floor. A small LED flashlight to hang from the hooks on the inside of the bathroom door can help to keep from waking other members of your cabin from the bathroom light during sleeping hours. A collapsible clothes hamper can help contain all the dirty clothes. I have heard about magnet hooks or clips to help dry swimsuits out, but they can also be used to hang a blanket to create some separation and privacy between the adults' and kids' beds, depending on the room setup. I hope, you, hope to join you on a group cruise in the future, second shameless plug, and look forward to meeting you at an Orlando area meetup. One last shameless plug for you, Matt. Jason, dude, thank you so much for all the shameless plugs and the great tips, by the way. I do agree about the collapsible hamper for clothes. That's a really good idea. My wife buys, I don't, I don't think she buys one every cruise. I could be wrong on this, but she definitely has a collapsible cruise hamper that we bring on, on sailings. Because before that, what we used to do is we designate one corner of the closet in our stateroom the dirty clothes pile. And, you know, after a day or two, the cl- the dirty clothes pile becomes a dirty clothes pyramid, which becomes the dirty clothes area of the floor, and it just gets, you know, it, it's a it's a big mess Oh clothes, right? You just quickly slam the closet door out of sight out of mind. But to keep things a little more manageable, the clothes hampers, really, you can get them, like, at a dollar store. They're those ones that, like, you know, obviously if you just fold them, if you just fold the, the hamper down it can basically go almost flat you just stick that in your bag and you're good to go but then as soon as you undo it or open it up it it pops up and i just explained what a collapsible clothes hamper is like people don't know what that means but anyway that works out really well i have certainly heard about the the shoe rack idea i have never personally prescribed i just i don't know that i have that much stuff that i always that i need personally but i think maybe as my girls get older and that may be more of a necessity. Certainly the nice thing about what Jason is talking about here is it allows you to have more storage space, you know, for whatever. It could be T-shirts. It could be hats. It could be other things you'd want to store that I can't think of off the top of my head. Things of that nature. So, Jason, thank you so much for the email and the shameless plugs and the great tips there. Love that. Next, we have an email from Scott Rominger, now Diamond member, Right. It's Matt. I recently stumbled upon your show and enjoy it thoroughly. I think your listeners will find the following information valuable. On January 6th, my wife and I did a seven night cruise on the Caribbean sailing on a lure of the seas. We booked the cruise 60 days prior to sailing and were informed that no tables for two were available in the main dining room. Leaving three children at home for the first time, we wanted to avoid potential discomfort of being set up with others for dinner. As advised by Royal Caribbean, I downloaded the app and put it in our reservation so that I could then view items available for purchase prior to boarding. The three night specialty dining package immediately caught my eye. This would guarantee us three date nights at a table for two. The package was $90, considerably less than $168 for the Ultimate Package. On all previous cruises, we had never done any specialty dining and were excited to try it out, but hesitant to go all in. Two weeks later, I was again on the app and saw the Ultimate Dining Package had dropped to $152, so... I added it to my cart but decided not to purchase it. I got an email from Royal Caribbean saying that I had some left items in my cart. I disregarded this as we had decided the three nights would be enough. About a month before the sailing, while on the app looking at excursions, I saw the ultimate dining package down to 126. I immediately purchased it for both of us, as it was only $36 more than the three night package. After getting the purchase confirmation, I canceled the three-nighter and was refunding the original $90. My theory is Royal Caribbean initially doesn't know precisely what kind of traveler anyone is. They have a standard price for the various offerings. After showing some interest in specially dining, they by buying the three night package, they wanted to further incentivize me to go ultimate by offering a discount. When I did it, did buy it, the system then decided to enlarge a discount, inducing me to purchase. Did they uh, do they want to sell the ultimate dining package to everyone for 126? Probably not. Would they rather have 126 as opposed to potentially empty seats in the specialty dining venues with staff idle? Obviously, yes. My advice to people with bookings is to play around with the pre-cruise products available, especially the last month before sailing, up to a few days prior to the sailing. Most, if not all, items can be canceled. I'm guessing, like flights and cruise prices, all the changes are done with algorithms. The price I see may not be the price that you see, even if looking at the same product at the same time. I know this is long-winded, but I've not heard this discussed on your show before as I wanted to share. P.S. My wife's phone blew up on day four because family and friends thought we were on Oasis so the city's glad we weren't. Scott, really appreciate the email. Thank you. And I think the nature of what you're suggesting is a good idea. I don't know if you're alluding to or suggesting that by simply putting items in the cruise planner in your cart that you'll necessarily see better discounts if you don't buy it later on. I wouldn't go that far. But I do agree with what Scott said at the end of his email, which is that if you're uh, always check for prices, price changes, I should say, especially that last month before the cruise. I mean, you never know. And we often post on Royal Caribbean blog.com anytime there is a, a cruise sale available in which there's a sale for pre-cruise purchase. It happens about every four to six weeks or so. And what has got experienced is fairly regular. I mean, the price changes all the time and, and patterns will come and go and Royal Caribbean will identify opportunities to, you know, offer in additional discounts. As they see fit, it's certainly, as Scott mentioned, the exact discount you will see will vary from ship to ship and sailing to sailing. So it's not to say that everybody gets the same price across the fleet. Far from it. Sometimes you'll see somebody say, hey, I just got a dining package for like, you know, way cheaper than before. And other people look at the, you know, even the sailing after or the sailing before and be like, I'm not seeing that. It really has to do with, uh, based on my observations, it has to do with how Royal Caribbean is seeing where the pricing is going. Where, who's buying what, right? Right. If everybody's buying dining packages or, or purchasing, pre-purchasing dining, like dining reservations specifically, then they may not offer certainly discounted uh, options for the dining packages or even dining packages to begin with. It's really a matter of they use these uh, discounts and packages as a tool to help spur a guest spending on board the ship. And, uh, you know, depending on your sailing and who's buying what and the length of your sailing and a variety of other factors that will dictate really what kind of offerings you see and what, at what discounts. So there's a little bit of the, uh, there's a little bit of math. There's a little bit of guessing involved, and a little bit of black magic as well. But the bottom line is I think you should do, everyone should do what Scott says is, you know, as soon as you book a cruise, go on my cruise planner, check it out. What's there. Now I'm going to go one step further than what Scott said. If you know you want to buy something, be it a dining package, a drink package, a shore excursion, whatever, my advice is don't just put it in the cart because putting in the cart doesn't do anything in the sense of actually locking in that price. If you know you want to book something, book it, put the money down, because if the price goes down, you can always cancel and rebook, just like Scott said, but if the price goes up, well, you've guarded against that potential issue, and it buys you time later on, because as Scott also said, you can always cancel it later on before the sailing, so you've you've got that time, but my advice is definitely, if you know you want to get something, or you're pretty sure you want to get something, book it, lock in that price, not just putting it in the cart, but actually booking it, and then later on, you have the option to always cancel it. So. It it just protects you against a price increase, but you're still allowing yourself to take advantage of a price decrease. So, Scott, thank you for the email. really do appreciate the, the comments there. Very, very helpful stuff. Let's move on to our next question. It's from Trish. writes: When I booked our cruise, Royal Caribbean was affiliated with DreamWorks, and it was a factor in choosing the line. I believe it was recently reported that this relationship will dissolve in April 2019, a month prior to our cruise. As a first-time cruiser, this isn't going to help stop our trip. However, do you know if Royal Caribbean is going to fill this gap? I know there's lots to do on the ship, but thought the DreamWorks characters would add fun for my kids. Trish, great question, and A, you are correct. Royal Caribbean is ending its relationship with DreamWorks. And second of all, yes, they are going to fill in the gaps. Um, we see this already with Symphony of the Seas. I was, I would have been more concerned about this, honestly, Trish, uh, Except with the exception that we went on Symphony of the Seas with my kids in November, so this is prior to the announcement. And this is a ship that never had the DreamWorks experience. Brand new ship, obviously. And I'll tell you that not having the DreamWorks experience was not a big deal. Would my kids have enjoyed you know, seeing Shrek around the, around the ship? Sure, of course. I, I don't deny that one bit. But there were still plenty of opportunities and options in there. In fact, I reached out to Royal Caribbean about this, and they indicated there's just only one thing they can't reproduce after the DreamWorks experience uh, ends. And that is the... The character meal option. There's no characters, hence there's no character meal. So you can't offer that. But everything else, Adventure Ocean programming, movies, entertainment, you know, activities, these are all still going to be available. There's still going to be great programming for kids on board the ship. And Trish, I don't think there's anything to worry about, quite frankly. Um, you're still going to find your for your kids a lot of fun things to do on board. You're still going to be programming aimed at them. And I can tell you, at least from my family's experience... It really wasn't a big deal not having them on there. There'll still be parades. There'll still be you know plenty of going on, uh, Forge kids. So even as a first-time cruiser, I know it's not exactly what you had in mind. But you know the DreamWorks experience was something. And I, I talked about this when it first happened at, um, in, in some of the posts and, and live videos I did on Facebook or on YouTube. I kind of said you know when Korean signed the agreement with with DreamWorks back however many years ago. I think it was about 2010. The the Royal Caribbean's offerings for kids were at a different place than they are now. Royal Caribbean has invested so much money and time and effort to up its own kids programming game in terms of what they're offering on board the ships for children. That in, here in 2019, it's a it's a different cruise line than it was in 2010. And going on a Royal Caribbean cruise with kids, I think, is a fantastic idea. And the DreamWorks experience is not this like it's it's not a make or break type of notion for what is offered on board. And I think you're still going to have a great time with it. And I I really have a lot of faith in what Royal Caribbean has up its sleeve as well, coming down the pylon. Don't forget once the DreamWorks experience ends, there may be some obvious, some changes coming, not only, you know, in the short term, but in the long term. And I really feel like there's going to be some great opportunities for kids to have a wonderful time on board the ship. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. All right. Next email is from Sheila from Kentucky. Writes, well, I've been uh, recouping from a concussion I incurred earlier in this week and thus banned from screens. Teenage driver using FaceTime turned in front of me. Oh, no. I've been listening to your podcast. My good friend and I are taking a girl trip out of San Juan, Puerto Rico on Freedom of the Seas. And as two ladies traveling without men, safety is our forefront on our minds. We also want to balance excursions with our with on our own time since we only have one day at sea. We want to explore without being so booked up that we have our vacation completely uh, re I should say. I'm hoping you can give us some guidance on the following. Number one, how much should we expect to pay for securing Leo Brown as a driver in Saint Martin for the day? Also, can you provide his contact information? Yes, Sheila, I'm gonna send you an email. Uh, in after, <laughs> after I read this email, actually, I'll send you the info. I don't like sharing Leo's phone number on the air. I, I kind of feel like it's I don't know. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's his business number, but still. I just if anyone's looking for Leo Brown, which is a taxi driver in Saint Martin, I'm happy to share his information. Just send me an email. And I can quickly shoot it over to you. Um, in terms of how much you should pay, it's going to vary on what you're looking to do. When you send the email or when you call Leo, say, "Hey, look, I'm interested. Tell him what you want to do. You want a full day? You Want a half day? You don't know? Uh, you know, he can work with you. But I will tell you, his prices are extremely reasonable. It's very low. It is not, you know, it's kind of the nice thing about him working on his own. He's not part of a company. He doesn't have overhead. He doesn't have all. The, it's just, it's a dude driving a van. So." There is that benefit in the sense that he's got a lot, he doesn't have as much overhead as some bigger companies. But I'll tell you, Sheila, she, uh, Leo Brown is a tremendous value. I don't think you're going to have any problems with that. Number two, which cruise ports are best for on your own exploration with that itinerary and which we plan to do? So I, oh, the ports of call, thank you. There's Later in the email, she wrote which ports of call she's actually going to. You've got uh, St. John, uh, St. Kitts, St. Martin, St. Lucia, Barbados. And we have two nights pre cruise and one day post cruise in San Juan. She wrote Saint John's. I don't think that's right. Saint Thomas, yes, because ships, I'm pretty sure don't go to Saint John, especially not Freedom of the Seas. Um, so I'm pretty sure you mean Saint Thomas, not Saint John's, in that one. I'll assume that's the case, Sheila. But anyway, between those choices, to do on your own, uh, Saint Martin is a good one to do on your own. That's, I mean, that's Leo Brown kind of thing. You could just simply, you know, go around. There's a lot of cool things to do there. I would say Saint Saint Martin number one. Saint Thomas. Hmm. No, I, you know, St. Thomas, I do think, behooves you to have some sort of plan ahead of time. There's just a, it's a lot of distance to traverse. I would say St. Martin is definitely the easiest because St. Martin, if, if nothing else, you can simply walk off the ship, go to downtown Phillipsburg, which is the capital of the Dutch side, and do plenty of stuff on your own there. It's really easy to get around there. No problems at all. St. Lucia is a you need an excursion because where your cruise ship docks is not near where a lot of the things are in St. Lucia. It's, yeah, you need a tour. No bet, doubt about that. Barbados, you can get around with a cab to, I forgot the name of the capital city, but you can kind of get around on your own there. That'd probably be like a number two. St. Kitts, and the rest really all need excursions. So I would say definitely, in San Juan, you can do on your own. San Juan is the easiest by far. I forgot you're going out of San Juan. San Juan is the old San Juan. You don't need anything booked. You can just simply walk around. Old San Juan is really easy. I think you'll get the hang of it very, very quickly. And being obviously part of the United States, uh, Sheila, I think you'll be uh, perfectly feel perfectly safe over there. So, there's my recommendations. And her last question is, thoughts are on fun but safety in San Juan. San Juan, old San Juan, is a great little town. Uh, if you stick to old San Juan, I think you'll have no problems at all. It's very easy to traverse. Uh, there's a lot of great places to see, uh, food to eat, things to to do over there. I, I think you're not you're going to have no shortage of fun things to do in San Juan. As I mentioned, it's part of the United States. So again, I have very little. Uh, concerns when it comes to your to your safety, and they're certainly no more different than if you were visiting New York City, or Boston, or Washington, D.C., or really any American city, you know, same same basic idea, so uh, she'll hope, be- hope you feel better, and thank you for the email, and thank you to everybody for the great emails on this week's episode. If you want me to answer your question, always feel free to send it over to matt, M-A-T-T at com. matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon.